and coaching, it gave me permission to be myself, to teach and to train and to educate and coach to my authentic self. And so I know that my stories, my experiences, my learnings inspire people in so many ways. And so in therapy, I couldn't share those things. Now in coaching, and not to say I'm a coach that's just like, let me tell you about my sex life to all my clients. But there are things, right, that we've experienced that have changed us and helped shape us into better people and better people in this space that are helpful for people to hear. It shows people that there's a different way. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rachel Maine, the Rachel Maine, <laughs> on That Sex Check. Yay! I love getting talk with someone that I actually really know. You know, I yeah. mean, you have a podcast too, owning your sexual self, right? A little shameless yes. plug. Thank um, you, thank you. And I've been on the show, which was really sweet. But like, I have people come on the show that I know to varying degrees. But a lot of them, especially if they're experts in some regard, the first time I'm meeting them is when I'm actually recording with them. You know how that mm-hmm. goes. And mm-hmm. so it's like, how chummy can we feel? If I'm like, the whole time I'm asking myself, I wonder if I'm saying their name right. (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely been there before. (laughs) To the point where I'm like, I'm just not going to say it just in case. (laughs) Oh, I love just how real and vulnerable you always are with things. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like this time, nothing I'm going to say, I will enjoy our conversation better than anybody else's because that's not true. But also maybe it's maybe not not true. We'll see. But it's refreshing to sit on the other side of the Zoom screen here and actually really deeply care about and know the person that I'm speaking with. And so Hmm. thank you for taking the time to come chat with me today. Yes, absolutely. I feel honored to be here. So thank you for having me. And yeah, it's nice to be on a podcast as a guest to knowing somebody and having looking up to somebody for so long. You've been such a pivotal point in my life. So I'm excited, especially for our topic today. I think it fits perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people, so I'm going to dig right on into the topic. People often will come to me and they're like, I'd had no idea that I could get help in my sex life or my relationships or wanting to cultivate deeper intimacy, love for myself, like personal Personal development is new, much less relationship development and, or sexual development. And sometimes I get people that, that come to me and they haven't really done much work, but they find someone shares a piece of content of mine or something with them. And then they go, oh, I could use some help. I want a relationship like this. And so they reach out and they're not really sure what I do, especially mm-hmm. with the topic of sex coaching. They're like, so, and I'm sure you get this where people mm-hmm. are like, are you going to get on Zoom and we're going to have sex and you're going to tell me (laughs) what to do or like pause and go, everyone stop. How do you feel? You know, like there's this weird, like, what does she actually do? Move your leg to the right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can you look at, just look at her face, look her into the eyes and say, how is this stroke? (laughs) You know, like, and that's not what we do. That's not what I do, but some people come and they're a perfect fit for coaching. And some people come to me and I realize that they, I would consider people who are a perfect fit for coaching, have a really great relationship foundation. They want to grow. 
They have a growth oriented mindset. They have probably been through some level of therapy already. And so they're aware of patterns. They take responsibility for their behaviors. They might have a pretty good understanding of ways that they get triggered or they have an understanding or they've processed some of the trauma that they've experienced in life. They've gone into their past. And then I go, great. We have something to work with here. You're coachable. A lot of times that's what the markers of coachable to me, but sometimes people come to me and they don't know any of that. And so I guide them or I suggest to them often to go in the direction of LMFT or therapy. And I say, Mm. get a good foundation here, process some of the past. Let's do some healing work, give yourself space you know, to dig into some stuff of the things that, that have gone on in your relationship, your current relationship, previous relationships, your parent relationships, and then come see me when you're feeling really good with your foundation. And so the combo I want to have with you today is this, the difference between a therapy model or something like sex therapy and sex coaching. And the reason why I brought you specifically onto the show to mm-hmm. talk about it is because Sex and Love Co. helped you transition from mm sex therapy into sex coaching. And so who better than to talk about that? You know, and mm-hmm. I imagine some people are listening, like, why would she want to leave therapy? If she went to school and studied for therapy and all of this. Why would she want to go into coaching? So we're going to get into mm-hmm. what is this world? Yes. So if you would please mm-hmm. entertain us <laughs> all with a little bit of your background and how you even found your way into sex therapy. Yeah. And it's so fun to think back on this because I feel like the world of sex and this work that I do almost kind of fell into my lap and I started this journey. So I went to school, I have a master's degree in social work, bachelor's and a master's degree in social work. And I was working in healthcare for a bit, worked in research, you know, nothing sex related at all. The extent to my sex work was really in undergrad as an intern, and I worked at a shelter for survivors of domestic and sexual assault. And so I was a survivor's advocate at that time. And that, though, for me was sex in such a negative light, right? Like working with people through the most one of the most traumatic times of their entire life, but being able to be that light and that pillar of guidance for them and to share that with them what their options were. And so when I left, that internship. And then that's kind of where I segued into healthcare. Sex wasn't even a thing. And I knew I'd always been interested in sex. I was always a friend that people would come to and talk about sex. And it was always just something I was comfortable in. I joke, I'm like, you know, when I was in high school, my best friend would always throw parties and I'm in the living room, like turning on porn for people to watch because I was just like genuinely fascinated by porn. It wasn't because I wanted to like everybody to have an orgy or anything like that. It was just like, I was fascinated by it. So to think back on like some of those pieces of my life, it makes sense that I'm in this role. But when I say it kind of just like fell into my lap, I was working full time for the veterans hospital here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I had been going to pure romance parties. My friends were throwing pure romance parties. And eventually I had been going to so many, I could recite this woman's demo, like with my eyes closed. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that, that's that, that's that. And it came down to it. And she had been asking me like, hey, you know, you would be really great at this. And I was like, nah, don't have the time, you know, whatever. And finally, my cousin, who's one of my best friends, she's like, why don't you just do this? And I was like, why don't I just do this? <laughs> it was like this light bulb moment. And so in joining this company, you know, they train you essentially to talk about sexual health and wellness. 
And when I started to do parties, women would come into the shopping room and, you know, that's a confidential setting. And they would ask me these questions about their sex life. And that was really when I learned that I had this gift of building rapport with people pretty quickly from meeting them. And especially around this, you know, providing them the center to talk about sex related things. And so when women were coming to me and asking me questions about relationships or sex, and I didn't have the answers, I wanted to find those answers. And so when I was sitting at a convention that Pure Romance was holding, they had a sex therapist come and talk. And I was like, what the fuck? Like sex <laughs> therapy? What is this? This cannot be a real thing. And same as like you said, Lex, like, you know, I'm like, what does she do? Right? Like, is she watching people have sex? You know, I'd watch the show Masters on Sex on Hulu. So I'm like, is that like, can I do that? <laughs> you know? And then she shares about talking with her clients and talking about these experiences. And then later in that, during that training, another sex educator comes on. I'm like, what is life right now? This just opened up a whole new door for me. And so that's when I sought out sex therapy programs. And so very luckily, there's one here in Michigan that was a sex accredited. And so I went back to school and got my certificate in sex therapy and sexuality education. I was still working full-time at the VA there. I was still running my business full-time. It was a super busy time of my life. But I remember sitting in that orientation room and they had the speaker on our very first day and they came and they talked about the plicit model and the clitoris and just saying these words so freely. And I'm like, I just remember looking around because that was really my first time that I was exposed to that, like an environment where it was safe and okay and, and encouraged to talk about sex. And I just like breathing and thinking like, ah, oh, these are my people. This is where I belong. Yeah. And then from there, it's like I finished the program and I was at this transition in my life, this period where I knew the work I was doing at the VA wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. Again, it had nothing to do with sex, but I had this little piece of sex coming, sex work coming up in pure romance. And I was loving what I was doing with that. And so I took a chance on myself. I left my full-time government paid job to go and sell vibrators full-time. My dad was very proud. <laughs> and at the same time, I got hired into a private practice in doing sex therapy. And that was my first time ever doing long-term therapy, therapy in general. Although I had that master's degree, I've always done like project management stuff. So it was, yeah, that was a very long version of that, but that was really how sex therapy got started for me. Wow. <laughs> so fun hearing other people's version of it found me mm -hmm. because I very much resonate with that. I feel like that too. People ask me, so how did you get into this? I'm like, it chose me. Mm -hmm. Like I can't not do this. Yeah. And it seems so odd because the subject is so taboo. And that's the only reason why it feels odd to me is that it's because the subject is taboo. If it was something that wasn't taboo, I don't know if people would have the feeling that they have around it. You know, like, how did that find you? You know, mm -hmm. and, and instead mm -hmm. of like, oh, you're an engineer. Oh, what brought you into engineering? You know, somebody's not going <laughs> to yeah. be like, oh, what brought you into helping people have better orgasms and love each other more, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Most, or they make that assumption, right? Like, oh, yeah. you must really like sex or you must be a freak and that's why yeah. you do this work, yeah. right? Yeah. Only, yeah. yeah. Only someone who has compulsive sexual behavior is going to want to mm. teach people how to do sex things. It's so crazy because mm -hmm. you and I both know and other professionals in this space, like our sex lives are normal. 
like whatever normal mm-hmm. is. I mean, <laughs> I'll just say it maybe above average because I yeah. work with a lot of people that I would consider normal and they're going through their up the ups and downs of relationship of working mm-hmm. through transition and cycles and seasons and kids and grief and death and all these things and like libido going up and down and hormones changing and all these things and like desire and then not desire and now I'm bored and now I'm really excited like people doing people mm-hmm. things is all over the place and so I consider we have a little bit more on the bouches and I'm sure the mm-hmm. mains have it too we just have a, a bit more, more self-awareness with regards to the role sex plays sex doesn't control us the way mm-hmm. it has controlled me and has controlled partners in my past Like, it's kind of wild. But anyway, back to sex therapy. I really appreciate your story and how it all Mm. came to be. And for those that are unfamiliar, Pure Romance is a company that, and I won't describe it. You can describe it. You know better than me. (laughs) Yeah. So Pure Romance is a direct sales company and their model is to empower, educate, and entertain women. They're wanting to be known as the authority for women's overall health and wellness. And so in the last year, we've not only do we sell sex and relationship enhancement products, we also sell products for your overall health and wellness. So things like supplements and proteins and skincare and their, yeah, sexy starts when the sun comes up, not when the sun goes down. Yeah. Is the module there. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was another thing that you said pretty quickly that people might not understand uh, or might not have caught, but when you went into the you decided to go into therapy with your bachelor's and master's degree in social work, and then you went to get ASECT certified. So you went for a therapy certificate or certification that was under the umbrella of ASECT, which when you said that, I was like, oh, okay. So I want to make sure everybody knows that that's the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just so I, because I don't want to state myself in the wrong way. So the program that I finished was an ASEC accredited program, yeah. but it didn't mean that I was ASEC certified. When I was in the therapy practice, I was working under a supervisor to get my hours needed to be able to say I'm a certified sex therapist. But when, when we'll get into this, but when the transition came, when I was kind of moving into coaching, there was that place in my life that I was like, is this something I actually need? Do I actually need that extra letter in front of my name to be doing the same work that I'm doing regardless? Yes. And that was why I started kind of double clicking on some of those things, because I think for people, they're like, oh yeah, well, I want to have someone who's certified in what, and some letters and some numbers and some sounds or whatever. And I think sometimes people, it's so foreign. The subject is all so foreign that they're like, yeah, I want someone who has all the certifications at the highest degree. And I want to look at him and go, what do you think that means? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what does that mean? You know? And so let's dig in, into that a little bit because you were practicing and you were helping people. And I'm sure you found so much purpose in sitting across from people and helping mm-hmm. them navigate components of their lives that they probably had nobody else to talk to and mm-hmm. encouraging them from the stance of that they were actually taking responsibility and showing up for themselves and like mm-hmm. going to do the work in quotes with the therapy. And so what was that experience like? Now I'm sure that there's like some experience in the work itself. And then when you were in the model that you mm-hmm. thought was the way that you had, like was the only way to be able to serve. Yeah. Yeah. So to share my very first client, I saw her for one session and then she fired me. (laughs) So that was fun. (laughs) There's just such this learning curve because in therapy and when coaching, right, it's like you're interviewing people. Now in coaching, we have the ability to have a call with the person before we're working with them to make sure it's a good fit. In therapy, it's like somebody comes into the office, they make an appointment, like that's it. They're your client. You're their person. And so 
I wanted to share that. I think just to normalize a lot for people that might be on a similar journey is that you're going to go through those ups and downs. The imposter syndrome is still a thing in therapy and it's still always going to be a thing from my knowledge, some level of that. But when you're working in therapy, you go through the programs and they teach you how to do the therapy. So they teach you these different systems and these different modules that you can apply and things like dupe, you know, like the D stands for this, the description of the problem, the understanding of like all these things, right? There's a methodology and a framework for everything. Yes. And that's really what it comes down to. So you're in therapy, you're essentially using somebody else's expertise or study and their model to then use that to then help that client. Where in coaching, it's a little bit of that, but not so much that, right? You are able to share from your own experiences. Whereas in therapy, especially sex therapy, it would have been frowned upon for me to share with clients at that time. Well, here's what's worked really well for me, or here's what I have tried. And here's what I've been reading about, like things like that. So yeah. And with therapy, my first few clients that were coming in, because I was building a caseload there, they weren't all sex related. So I had some people that were coming in for sex therapy. I had some people that were coming in for depression. I had some people coming in for OCD. So my day was very different. So that in itself to go from this client, I also saw people back to back to back, sometimes 10 people in a day straight. And so I would have go from this OCD client then, okay, now I'm switching over to a sex therapy client. Okay, now I'm switching over to PTSD and now I'm switching over to ED. Like it was just boom, boom, boom. There was really no time to process anything. It was like you had to switch that on and off switch so quickly, you like on to the next. And yeah, so of course I- (laughs) so exhausted just hearing it. Especially when I think of you at this time, which I didn't know you at that time, but mm-hmm. I know you now and I know how so much has like unfolded for you and even hitting the reset button mm-hmm. for the therapist to have tools for themselves in order to reset between each one of those clients instead of, and then how do you protect your energy? And especially as a new therapist, I imagine as it I mean for me as a new coach, I had a really hard time with what is their emotion and their energy and what's mine because Mm -hmm. I would feel really good and like kind of second guessing myself, but I would move through it in a session, especially early on. And then I'd feel pretty empowered. Sometimes I'd be like sweating through the process. (laughs) And then I'd get to the other side and I would realize like my whole day after that in between clients and stuff would be like really funky sometimes Mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to get their energy out of my system, like how I was vested in them. And so paying attention to them for, you know, that whole hour and they kind of offloaded all this stuff onto Mm -hmm. me. And I was like, give it to me. And I'm like, uncrushed (laughs) under the weight of it. And then I'm like, by the time they leave, I'm like, okay, bye. And I've got all their stuff just like still hanging out. Now I realize I get to give it back to them. They get Mm -hmm. to put it all back inside of them, whatever they want Mm -hmm. to take with them. We can throw some other stuff, give it to the earth, whatever. But like, I have so many more tools now, but even just hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, poor past Rachel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. And that was like, I mean, you know, of my past, like very masculine focus, very hustle mindset. And so in a way I set myself up to work like that. And only now looking back, do I realize like how poorly that set myself up. And yeah, to be able to do that, I mean, compartmentalizing really well, right? Which is not a very healthy thing to do, but 
that's just what it was like. Eventually, my caseload did get to all sex therapy people, which felt really good. Then COVID hit. <laughs> and so yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Fun in air quotes. We're just going to use the collective term fun. Mm -hmm. Insert whatever else it was other than fun. <laughs> so for mm -hmm. most people, it wasn't. For the coaching industry, it was pretty cool on the front end, on, in a sense, because everybody was at home and mm -hmm. Zoom was the thing and was all the rage because that was how you connected with people. And it was like, well, I have all this time. I'm not out in the world busy doing things. So let me learn. And I'm also trapped inside with my significant other, that mm -hmm. I can't use my busy schedule to avoid the fact that we haven't had sex in a while and we're not connecting and we actually kind of can't stand each other and we need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. So for me slash us, like it was good for business, but now that mm, yeah. COVID is, as far as I'm concerned, living in Texas, it's not really a thing and it's becoming less and less a thing each day that goes by. When I say it's not mm -hmm. a thing, okay, I know it's real, but a thing that we're worried about day by day. I don't live my life. Like I go many days now forgetting that that's I think, you know, mm -hmm. but people are ready to go out, be out in the world. And so we're seeing a little bit of a shift in, in the types of services and pivoting mm -hmm. types of services that are being delivered, but we're not quite there yet. So Ms. Rachel, when you were in the therapy model and then you were seeing clients, they were all ther therapy clients. What was it like working in the practice? What did it look like when you were managing your clients behind the scenes? Mm, good question. So I'm very thankful for the practice that I did work at because it was not micromanaging whatsoever. So we were responsible for getting our own clients. So if people called into the office or sought out our practice or we had direct referrals, they kind of dished them out to the therapist that had availability. And so we got to make our own hours, have our own schedule, all of that stuff. And we had a waiting area, but we didn't have a receptionist. So we really were kind of responsible for all of our people. So when our people would come in, we were responsible then for getting them into the waiting room, bringing them back. We did all of the intake paperwork with them. We handled all of the insurance related things, uh, the insurance related things that's one of the many reasons that I decided to leave also. But yeah, so we had to collect payments from people, which also felt very crunchy because <laughs> I'm here delivering this service to you. And then at the end, I'm like, okay, please now pay me. And it just felt very weird like that exchange. So yeah, we handled all that. We were in charge of tracking our own coding and everything. And then we sent it off essentially to a biller person and <laughs> that's the official term. Biller, Biller person. person. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how they discern it, determined how much that we would get paid. So it's interesting when you're in the therapy practice too, because you're billing insurance. And so everybody's insurance will cover certain things mm -hmm. and up to a so, certain amount for certain things. And up to a, exactly. And the other odd thing about therapy. Mm -hmm this is kind of something that pisses me off about it in the insurance model is that we had to code for different things because sex therapy isn't actually covered by insurances. So we had to bill it as a psychotherapy with family or psychotherapy with individual. And you have to give a diagnosis code when you're billing insurance. So oftentimes it was generalized anxiety, right? We build everybody as generalized anxiety for the most part. It was their sex life causing them some sort of anxiety. Yes. So we weren't lying essentially, but if it was something like anorgasmia or desire discrepancy or things like that, hypersexuality, like those things aren't quote unquote billable in the insurance world. Mm. So that always just felt 
odd, right? So yeah. somebody would get their thing from their person and be like, I have anxiety. And I'm like, well, okay, here's the thing, you know? It's like you're not so, fully forthcoming, like having to scoot yeah. around it. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. So we're starting to build a case here for <laughs> then how you wound up transitioning out. Because I think when you originally, what it sounds like is that when you originally were realizing that you could do work in this place, in this space, and officially do work under this topic of sex, I imagine that you thought sex therapist was kind of the only option. Mm-hmm. If I want to do this work professionally, then this is what I become. Is that right? Something like that? Yeah, that or sex educator. So if I wanted to go yeah. more in terms of like speaking or teaching or anything like that, but I did, I loved the work that I was doing. It lit me up to be able to work with people one-on-one or one-on-two. If I was working with couples, the work that I was doing, the light, you know, everything that I was doing to help these people, I loved it. And COVID was such a blessing in a way for me because I was getting to that point of burnout and even I was not wanting to work a typical nine to five job, right? I left that when I left the VA and I also didn't want to work every single day. So I strategically set up my schedule to only see clients on certain days to give myself those other days to live life essentially, which is why, again, I saw so many people in such in a day, but that I knew like if with the goals that I have and the woman that I want to become doing that, I could only do so much work in person. And so that's when COVID hit, then we transitioned to teletherapy. And then that's really where I got this idea. I'm like, okay, so I can do this in person and I can do this virtually. And I would love to be able to like get to more people. I can only work with so many people working for an hour at a time, I can only reach so many people that way. So this is the time in and earlier that year in 2020 is when I launched my podcast. And so that was a way for me to reach more people and be a resource for more people. Even with that, people listening to my podcast, I didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily able to take them on as a client, right? Because of again, time, it's the commitment to take on that many people and to work with that many people at once. So when I was in the lovely world of Instagram and looking for all of these things, I came across your profile and seeing that you were doing coaching and programs and things like that. And I thought, Ooh, this is, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is what I've been looking for. And so I remember DMing you and being like, Hey, I'm kind of interested. I would love to look back at that very first message that I ever sent you, but I didn't even know that you did coaching for people that wanted to be coaches. I thought I was getting on a zoom with you to just like pick your brain. I thought you were just this nice lady that was giving me your time for free to tell me about what you did. (laughs) (laughs) Because you like had not touched the coaching world yet. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. And then I get on a call with Bryn because you were away at a retreat and a couple of days later, sign up for a coaching program. And right. it happened like that. <laughs> it's kind of wild, right? And then all of a sudden you were in a different kind of system. I don't know if I would really call it a system. I mean, we have systems, mm-hmm. but you were getting an embodied experience of what it's like to be a client, mm-hmm. you know, in a completely different way. And yeah. so- That's one of the things about the coaching industry. There are a lot of pros and cons. It is a completely and totally unregulated industry, which Mm -hmm. is good and bad, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when I, when I tell people when they're considering a coach to work with, my hope is that first start with therapy, if you don't know where to start and just be able to listen to yourself and be able to process things in your mind to a certain degree. And that way you can trust yourself 
build skills where you can trust yourself so that when you do see coaches and you are choosing, and I mean, this is present when you're choosing a doctor, a therapist, any service provider. Mm -hmm. So even when it comes to therapists, so I'm like, my message to people is if you're seeking help, you can interview people. It's not, Mm -hmm. they are selling you. You can see if they are a fit for you. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, but there isn't a degree in coaching or an element in coaching where it's, I know this won't be for everyone, but my general encouragement is that you choose someone that you're challenged by, Mm. but that they are not, but like you're positively challenged by not someone who's like, oh, well, you must not mean it because you're not willing to burn all your bridges and burn all your boats and throw all your eggs in this other Mm -hmm. basket and do this. And that pushes in this kind of slimy, dark salesy way or like there's kind of shame in the undertone of it. I mean, pushes you in a way where they are walking their talk and they're living a life that is inspiring to you. And when Mm -hmm. you look at it, you go, wow, there are elements to that person that I desire in myself. And I think with therapy, which you were talking about a little while ago is that for the most part, I have to keep your personal life out of the session room, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah. So our technically the second person that I have helped transition in some ways from therapy into coaching. And Molly is the first one, which you knew Molly, right? Mm-hmm. Or no yeah, Molly. Molly and I, yeah, we were in the same program together, actually. Actually, Molly was one of the women that inspired me to leave the VA and to go into private practice because she was working in private practice. Yeah. So she was like my first friend that I knew that did private practice. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't know what you don't know until it's laid out in front of you. Mm -hmm. which is so fun and kind of fucked up at the same time. But I remember from working with Molly, I remember then from working with you too, that there was some elements of like, what, no, but I have to keep the educational component forward. And if I want to be public, then it's got to look this way and feel this way because training happened in a particular way. And when it comes to coaching, it's different for Mm -hmm. me and for the people that I teach. I'm like, in this space, you get to really choose the environment that you create and that you become a magnet with for your future clients. And then your future clients get to look like how you want them to look. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so many people, I think when they first hear that, they're like, oh, but then I'm discriminating and I'm not inclusive. And if I'm choosing the type of people and I'm narrowing down my ideal client avatar, because there is a lot of like marketing and all this stuff that goes into coaching and bringing in your clients and creating leads and all of that. It's not anyone who shows up in the therapy office, then you're sitting across from mm-hmm. them and then they're your client. Your potential clients get to interview you. And then you also get to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Because I've sat on the other side of a Zoom screen and that initial call is for both parties to get to know each other to determine, are you coachable and do you vibe with me? Mm-hmm. And so I've had people that are like, yeah, okay, so what do I do next? And I go, I appreciated this conversation and I have some resources and recommendations for you. I don't think that working with me is your next best step. But I do have some things that I want to leave you with that I think are going to put you on that are going to help you with your next step. Mm -hmm. So like there's been times where I have said no to people. I've even had people that I've been like, I don't know if they're a good fit or not. I let them, they pay and then they never show up. So that's not (laughs) a good client either. Well, I'm like, cool, I got money. But now I'm like, it's the kind of shit that keeps me up at night. I'm like, why are they Mm -hmm. avoiding me? Why won't they answer my email? What's (laughs) going on in their lives? Did you die? (laughs) you know? So anyway, tell me about what it was like to make that transition and to choose to go into the unknown and desire to create and craft a coaching practice versus Mm -hmm. a therapy practice. Yeah. 
And you said this too a minute ago. You said it like you become a client when you're looking to get into the world of sex coaching, right? Like somebody is, you were a client to learn how to be a sex coach first. And if I think back to my time and going through school for sex therapy, it's like, I'm learning about the history of sex therapy and the history of this person teaching this thing and different cultures and things like that, which again, I'm so grateful for that time. But if you think about the training, the education that you get from this like therapy school to over here, coaching school, it's completely, completely different. And learning more in the coaching space that opened up so much more for me, like learning more about Tantra and kink and the spiritual side of sex, right? Those things were not talked about in sex therapy school, right? And did I have clients coming to me wanting to know about thing like open relationships and kink and things like that? Of course. So you almost had to, you had to do your own research outside of that when you had a client that came with that and their radar, which again, also fun in itself. And then if you think about the business models itself, like you asked the behind the scenes for the sex therapy, right? Like, so I'm on psychology today, people are calling, I'm, I do a quick phone call with them. I think, yes, okay, this sounds good. Then sometimes they come in the office, it's a completely different thing that they told you on the phone. So you are building your case in a different way, but you also have somebody up here that's telling you, you need to have this many clients, you need to be billing this much, blah, blah, blah. You need to have a full caseload. Financially, for myself, I needed to have a full caseload, right? Like, so there's all this pressure coming from that And it may be pressure I put on myself. It may be pressure that somebody else is putting on me here nor there. When you transition into the coaching space, it's so different. So when you go into the work and you become a client to learn how to be a sex coach, it's a completely different business model, right? Like you are having to learn how to market yourself. You're learning if you're wanting to do this virtual, you're learning how to coach in a virtual space new doors are open for you essentially because you you can take your expertise and the things that you love to do and that really light you up and create programs around that or master classes or mini courses or whatever it is that you want to call that and you become a guest on podcasts and you do Instagram lives and you do all these different things to be able to market yourself as you said Lex and to attract the people that you're wanting to work the people that you know that you can serve best versus in therapy it kind of felt like you just take who you could get you just took whoever chose you essentially and so it was yeah it was just so different and I'm again very grateful for both experiences but again in coaching it gave me permission to be myself to teach and to train and to educate and coach to my authentic self and so I know that my stories, my experiences, my learnings inspire people in so many ways. And so again, in therapy, I couldn't share those things. Now in coaching, and not to say I'm a coach that's just like, let me tell you about my sex life to all my clients. But there are things, right, that we've experienced that have changed us and helped shaped us into better people and better people in this space that are helpful for people to hear. It shows people that there's a different way, you know, not because a book said so. (laughs) Right, right. That is such a mindfuck for so many educators too, where it's like, I'm going to rely on and solely leverage the knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, it's making a post. Did you know sex therapy dates back to such and such with so and so Mm -hmm. who did this thing over here? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to, I mean, I don't know. I'm a little bit different than everybody else on the internet. I might stop scrolling and go, huh, cool. But the average <laughs> person that you want to serve and you want to help doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. They don't give a fuck about a lot of the pieces of information that I see, you know, some educators posting and some therapists posting. It's like, okay, well, you said, what was it, the plicit model or there's all these different frameworks and these letters that mean different things. And so sometimes mm-hmm. educators or therapists will go, they'll like make a little graphic on social media because they're trying to develop their social media mm-hmm. platform so that they can get more clients. And so it's all education based. And so mm-hmm. it's cool information. It's good information, but it's not personal. If that's the only type of information that's coming out from someone, then I'm not surprised when they have this really awesome educational platform here and they have 150 followers. Mm -hmm. And so they've like, oh, here's the letters and here's the breakdown. And in the bottom, they almost like they're writing like a little mini peer review article Mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but your clients, Mm -hmm. they don't care. And then what I've discovered over time is when I share some things that I'm going through, or I share things that I see in my community or in my friendships or in client conversations or inside of my coaching programs, and I share those things, and then I mix in some of the education, Mm -hmm. I'm telling a story and people Mm -hmm. are more interested in story. And they're also fascinated with other people's personal lives. Mm -hmm. Like they can't (laughs) wait like they couldn't wait, you know, like Jordan and I getting together and people were snooping around and they're like, oh my God, who is she talking about? Oh, wow. I think it's Jordan. Cause you know, we're two people who were doing the song and dance on social media and they piece this together and they're like, oh. I had like a couple of my clients and people who followed me at that time that also followed Jordan. And they were like, is Jordan Bowditch coming to visit you? Like they're <laughs> piecing it together. They're like, oh, like detectives. Yeah. And then they want to pay attention. And then they're like, laying and waiting. When's he going to propose? When's he going to propose? Oh my gosh, they live in Austin. And it's just this funny thing that, you know what? Humans are going to do that regardless. And so I'm going to leverage it while you're Mm -hmm. interested in my life, which is kind of funny to me and like silly, Mm -hmm. like it's it's just like a normal life. I'm just, while you're here, while you're hanging out at the TV of the Bowditches, I'm also going to tell you some things Mm -hmm. that are going to impact your personal life. Mm-hmm. And this is just something that it's challenging at times for people to really grasp it when they want to make an impact. They mm-hmm. really want to make an impact with their knowledge base and their message and what they feel so much purpose in. And a lot of times I would say the therapy model is really great for some people because it's done mm-hmm. for you. You yeah. follow the things, you follow the steps and there you are. And some people wind up being happy or fulfilled or content. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. happy sometimes is, is a stretch. People just want to be a lot of times content with the life that they are living. And for some people like you, certainly like me, I'm glad I didn't mm-hmm. even try it. We're not built for it. We dream bigger. We're mm-hmm. out of the box. It's so interesting because we spend time helping people get out of their boxes, the box that society and religion, and faith and all the shame and whatever put them into that's leading them to have this distress or this anxiety or this depression or whatever that revolves around their relationship and their sex life and all of that. But then we're inside of a box as far as the therapy goes. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to help you get out of your box, but I can only help you from within my box. Yeah. And we want to break it all down and open yeah. up to all kinds of modalities and work with all types of different clients. And I also, what I've seen you do is, I don't know if you were doing this at first, but when you started shifting into coaching, you were then pumping out free resources a lot mm-hmm. more. 
Mm-hmm. I think what winds up happening is, okay, so now you can charge what you want to charge. And some people go, oh yeah, well, good for you. Now you are in coaching, but now you're not helping these poor souls. Well, first off, mm-hmm. back off. There are some people that are really fulfilled mm-hmm. helping those souls. They're going to get taken care of. Don't you worry about yeah. that. Next, now that I'm not busy seeing 10 to 15 clients a damn day, I can create free resources that are for the masses. Mm. And I can charge at a certain rate and I can host these easy to come into for someone to come into a masterclass and they pay. There's this idea that some people might be like, oh, well, you sold out so that you mm-hmm. could be selfish in your and practice make more money. and make more money. Yeah. Well, I did already my first off. Second off, there's no guarantee that you're going to make any more money because in order to make money coaching, it's a whole set of other information that you have to learn in order to market yourself and be able to enroll clients. And it's like learning a brand new language or a brand new language. It's like learning a new language. So it's like, okay, well, I'm happy now. I'm happy with the work that I'm getting to do. I'm happy with all these things. But like, what do I do with the clients and where do I funnel them? And what do I choose next? There's a lot of flavors of ice cream and there's a lot of different business models and ways mm-hmm. that you can map out your year of like what kind of programs you want to do and how many one-on-one clients you want to have and how much group coaching you want to do and all of this. And that can be really overwhelming. The thing is you can have a great plan, but if you don't know how to sell yourself, you don't know how to market, then clients don't know, they don't know what to do with you. Yeah. That process can take years. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing this how long now? Year and a half, two, I don't know, two years. I don't even know now. But yeah, I'm still learning. And with every launch or every new thing that I offer, it's always a learning curve, right? Like giving, sometimes I'm thinking, oh, this is really what I'm feeling like I want to give, but it's not what the people want. And then I think, okay, this is really what the people want. And then, but it's not lighting me up. And so I'm not delivering it correctly. So it is this constant struggle But yeah, again, you get to do, you have more free range to do things that do feel good for you. And again, more opportunity to do that. It's not where therapy is mainly just one-on-one work. Maybe you run a group, maybe you don't, but it's, you just have so many more options I feel in coaching. Yeah, I agree. And I love it. And I'm glad that you're over on our side now. (laughs) And speaking of on our side, Rachel has even taken clients that are our overflow clients from Sex and Love Co. So people have applied to work with our team. And if I don't have capacity to work with them or they are looking to work at a different investment level, and when I say investment level, I'm talking about all of the coaches have different rates that they charge. And so naturally mine is at the very top. And so people find me and then they are maybe not a fit. And I also don't take very many at a time. So I have contracted other coaches that I have worked with, that I have vetted, that I appreciate. And so then we give clients over to you guys and we're like, take care of them. You know, they're a better Mm -hmm. fit. And so it's been fun to bring you into that mix too. We have not been doing so much of that very recently. I'm unsure if we're going to bring it back in a big way or not because things are moving and grooving and changing and transitioning over at Sex and Love Co. So we shall see. But in the meantime, I'm always really happy. I know what kind of quality of service people are going to get whenever I pass them over to Rachel. So yeah. So I think I want to leave our convo with some of your advice, this is kind of like from two perspectives here. The first question is advice that you would give to someone who is seeking a provider. They're seeking Mm. someone like, how do they know who's the best fit? 
what advice would you give them to bring to someone or to look or seek in people that they're considering working with in this regard? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think you're going to have to ask yourself, is it therapy that you're looking for? Is it coaching that you're looking for? I do feel that therapy is going to do a digger deep into your past. Whereas <laughs> a, digger deep? A, a deeper dig, <laughs> a digger deep, that, that works. A, digger deep, <laughs> a deeper, deeper dig, deeper dive into your past. You whereas coaching, as you said, I think you put it perfectly that we hope that they've already done some of the work. They're not coming in as with trauma that they've never uncovered or never unpacked, right? You're the first person that they're sharing this with. And we hope that they've done some work along the way to where they're coming, they're ready for coaching. I find that coaching is you're maybe peek a little bit into the past and just kind of understand why or what has shaped the actions that are currently happening. But you're really working with them on their present life and helping to mentor them into how they're wanting their future sex life or their future relationship to look like. And you're also doing that in therapy, but generally it takes a much longer time than it does in coaching. So I find that coaching in a way too is more of the faster route. And I say that lightly because it's not always needed. Yeah. 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 And so if somebody is seeking out these services, really ask yourself, like you said, what is the importance really of somebody having credentials or an education in this? Is that more important to you versus somebody that has done this work themselves? They can speak from the heart around it. They are continuing to educate themselves and open their minds to new things within the field. Yeah. And so if, again, it really asking yourself, like, what is going to be the better fit for you? Is it going to be therapy or is it going to be coaching? Do you want somebody that's going to be more real with you or not? Right. Amazing. It's going to be a dynamic environment instead of just questions and you answer questions and you answer. Yeah. And then I think if I could like tack on a little something there, because this from this makes me think of how you are now and how you show up now and all the tools, the new tools that are in your tool belt now that weren't there before mm -hmm. is what kind of experience do you want to have? If you're a potential client, you want possibly wanting to do work. What do you want your experience to be like? Do you want it to be clinical where you sit down and you're like, so tell me what's been going on and that's mm -hmm. the way, or do you want them to be possibly more dynamic where you're infusing different things, different elements into the coaching. And so if you choose a coach that is Reiki certified, if you, or like has done work in Reiki or leverages some spiritual components or tools, mindfulness techniques, tantric techniques, bioenergetics and breath work. If you want to work with someone who has decided to personally delve into some of these other modalities and then blends that in so that you have like every session is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You know, that's an option too, but that's kind of scary to some people. And so like you were saying, for a lot of people, therapy is a long, slow process, which that's for people where therapy is a fit, that's the pace that you actually need to go. Mm -hmm. 100%. Just because you want change to happen fast, like you want this to be done, doesn't mean that moving fast is going to get you there. It actually might stall everything in, in a sense where you might wind up, a person could move their nervous system too fast and could create new trauma. Um, mm -hmm. in some ways where they try to move through things too fast. And so some things are better to move slow and steady with. And then sometimes you get to a place where you're like, I want kapow. Like I want to change mm -hmm. this like next week. I'm ready. I'm moving. I'm grooving. I'm ready for change. And you might be surprised. You go in and you think you're ready for change and you're like, whoa, I need to slow mm -hmm. down. Resistance, yeah. resistance, resistance. So yeah, just like making sure you choose a provider that is going to hold you in yeah. the way that you and would really like to be held. 
and it's okay that if you start something with somebody and you realize that it's not a good fit, or maybe it's not working the way that you're wanting it to, or you're just not vibing well with that person, it's okay to leave. It's okay to stop. I did personally a year and a half of talk therapy. And while yes, that served me well, it wasn't until I transitioned, I left that space to then get into somebody that specialized in EMDR therapy that I really started to see changes in my anxious behaviors. And so that in itself is very different. And then now when I'm thinking of working with you and being involved with Sex and Love Co., that has changed me in such a different way. And when I didn't even expect it to, right? Like when you are a coach and you're learning about this stuff in a way that you're wanting to be able to take it back for clients, it's impossible to be learning this stuff and to not apply it to your own life and get curious about it for your own life. So yeah, I'm very, again, just grateful for both experiences and coaching. You know, obviously I'm team coaching. It's much more fun on the coaching side than it was on the therapy side. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been awesome to watch you blossom too, because when we first got started and I would do like these, like whether it were embodiment practices or the breathwork stuff, or I would draw a card or do some like weird spiritual shit on our calls. You were admittedly the one in the group that was like, I'm not woo. Mm -hmm. And now look at you. How has that changed? So, so much. Yeah, I remember Bryn taking us through breathwork stuff and meditation and you're at a dinner party and here's your ego and here's this, this and this at your dinner. I'm like, what in the fuck? <laughs> like, this stuff is so dumb. They're watching me breathe. They're watching me with my eyes closed. Like, I felt so awkward. Then I come to retreat with you guys. You make me dance around with a blindfold and body my feelings. And I just, oh my God, I was so resentful. I was so, so, so resentful. And now, yeah, like just yesterday, like my birthday present to myself this year was a somatic breathwork experience. The, who, like, who am what? I? Who are you? I yeah. know every time you show up and you do something or you like show up on, on the internet in this new fun way. And I'm like, oh yeah, remember when she wasn't woo? Mm-hmm. Oh, Rachel wasn't woo. Look at her now doing photo yeah. shoots with Palo Santo and crystal dildos. Yeah. Who is this? <laughs> I know. It yeah. feels good though. It just feels, it feels right. You know, yeah. like that is the path that's just pulling me that way. And to be able to bring that into the space of sexuality, it just feels, yeah, it just feels right. Cause as you said in the very beginning, like I can't not do this work, right? Like yeah. this is my life's work. And yeah, it's fun to throw Absolutely. a little woo on it too. Yeah, well, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness there's always something new that I can figure out and play around with and embody and experience. And I think it's fun. And there's some things that were present in my practice that are not really in my practice now. And there's some things that are present now that I'm like, how did I go this far and not have this cool thing? You know, mm-hmm. so it's just, it ebbs and it flows and it gets to be so fun. And so my last question that we're going to leave us off with is people that hear us talking and are like, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. I would like your advice regarding if they are going to go the therapy route or if they're going to go the coaching route and just your general words of encouragement for those that are like, I would really love to do work in this place, in this space. Am I cut out for it? What will the world think? Who am Mm -hmm. I to dot, dot, dot? Yeah. I think first two questions, one, what is the type of experience that you want to get out of the program? Like, do you want to be more in the student space or do you want to be more in a client space? Because there is a very 
difference between big difference between those two. And what is it that you actually want to do with this type of work, like having this education or experience? Do you want to only work one-on-one with people? Do you want it to be in a clinical practice? Do you want to be able to do master classes or speak about these, you know, like really what is it that you're wanting to do? And I think that would help them make the decision. But the main thing that I think is important for them to know is that you don't have to have it's any sort of like educational background to do that. Now, if you're a person that you feel like that's going to make you feel better, that's going to give you more confidence because I was that person for so long, but that is also how society and my parents shaped me to feel and to believe. But if that is for you, like that's okay, but just know that that's not the thing. Same as I said, like I never went for further to get the ASEC certification. It wasn't something that I needed to be able to do the work that I'm doing. I let my license lapse for social work, right? So like, so I can no longer bill insurance even if I wanted to, but I don't need to do those things with the work that I actually want to do and to do the work that makes me happy. So the letter, the extra letter in front of my name or a couple letters in front of my name, like it doesn't mean much, right? Like it doesn't mean much and no one can ever, ever, ever take your education away from you. That's something that a family member told me when I was very young and meaning no one can ever take that education away, whether it's from an institution or not. Like, you know what you know, and that is how you become the best provider or coach or therapist that you want to be. Yeah, I think you become a beacon in a lot of Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. You can't have your education taken away from you, regardless of what governing body said the education is good or bad or certified or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know it's all businesses. When you look at it, it's all people governing bodies that make money off of packaging up information and delivering it a certain way. And once those institutions get too big, it's hard for that information to shift. It's hard for that information to mature and keep up with the times is what I have discovered over time. And so I go back and forth and back and forth. Do I want to go back to school? Do I not want to go back to school? And I have this belief that if I go back to school, I'm going to learn a lot of things that are a little bit outdated. And a lot of my magic might be trained out of me. It Mm -hmm. could be a story, could not. I'm unsure. I always love to grow and learn though. And I know that that's you too. And now what's available to you and what you're choosing to, to learn and what you're prioritizing and putting value in is shifting, which is really beautiful to see. And for mm-hmm. me, I'm very much in the same way. I want to go learn from people who feel right to me, who mm-hmm. feel good mm-hmm. to me. And I even said to Jordan the other day when we were on the couch, I was like, I want to go learn from some OGs in the space, like some OGs Mm. in the relationship and love space. I want to go to their workshops. I want to get into their spaces and I want to feel their energy. Mm -hmm. I want to hear the wisdom, the embodied wisdom because they're living it, Mm. you know, and that's not something you can package up and then put inside of a clinician's office. Though I imagine that there's some clinicians that do have some of that magic. I'm not saying that they don't, but a lot of what leads them to the office and the back-to-back clients and the different types of the certain kind of caseload and all of that, I see it as a possibility that it kind of drains the magic. So yeah, I think what I want to leave everybody with is that you have options, whether you want to do this work or you want, you seek assistance in this space, you have options. And Mm -hmm. just like the big daunting question of what do you want? What do you want in life? What do you want in sex? What do you want in relationships? It's important. That question gives people a lot of times if they don't reflect on it, that's what can bring anxiety, can bring depression, Mm -hmm. can bring dis-ease in the body. And so my encouragement for everyone, whatever side of the coin you're on here, is to do some deep digging. Some, some, Mm -hmm. what did you just say? 
Yeah. Diving, dig, diving dig, digger dig, deep, dig, digger deep. deep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do a digger deep and uncover a little bit or a lot of what you're your soul longs for and craves for. And if you desire some assistance in this area of your personal life, you deserve it. In the end, are you going to, are you going to look back at the end of your life? You're going to look back and go, oh yeah, it was a waste of time and money to like hire that person to help us with our intimacy. Or are you going to skip over it for fear of what it might mean about you or choosing the wrong person or blah, 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 get to the end of your, end of your life and realize relationships could have been totally fucking different. If maybe you would have stopped putting the pressure, put the pride aside and stop putting the pressure on yourself to be able to figure it all out on your own because you don't have to do it on your own. And there are people mm-hmm. like Rachel and like myself and like so many people in this space that our divine purpose, our mission, our dharma, what we're here to do is to help you through this incredibly important aspect of your identity mm-hmm. and your life and we fucking got you if you let us. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, yes. So well said. <laughs> All right, lady. Thank you so much for having this chat. I hope that we cleared up a little bit of the what's going on here with the sex therapy <laughs> and the counseling or coaching what's going on in this world. And I'm so grateful that you have chosen me to be a part of your journey and your unfolding. Cause I know you and your husband, Danny have just like gone like all in on Mm -hmm. like wanting to have the best relationship for your own lives. And so I know Mm -hmm. Danny's going to be hanging out with Jordan pretty soon. And I've loved having you coming to whether it was your private immersion that Brent and I delivered for you or the one fully embodied women's retreat where we were all like feeling our feelings and dancing. And Mm -hmm. I can't believe we blindfolded you and gave you psychedelics and did this whole song and dance with you on your own. (laughs) And then you still came back for more. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and encouraged to also have more psychedelics, of course. <laughs> yeah. Out when then that's a topic for a totally different podcast and yeah. conversation. But, you know, like it's crazy because people come to our retreats and I give them less than 24 hours unprompted that they start talking about psychedelics on their own. Because mm-hmm. everybody's curious, sex, psychedelics, travel, all of the above. Anyway, so we could keep talking forever and ever. And I guess mm-hmm. we'll just leave it with a to be continued, some of our favorite subjects to be continued. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your time and your space with all of us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.